Welcome, Welcome to the Santa Maria Baseball Podcast here on Review and Preview. We are sorry for the delays and technical difficulties, but we finally got it all figured out. We are good to go. The second half starts up this week. Before we get into all of our trade rumors and Yankees and Mets, anger anger management that we could probably all need, but uh, let's start with recapping the home run derby and all-star game. We'll start with the home run derby. Vladimir Guerrero won that is who we predicted in our last show collectively. He had 91 just a few years back, so I don't think anyone doubted that he would put on a great showing this time around. Definitely had a great chance to win, and now is the first father-son duo to ever win the Home Run Derby. Very impressive from Vlad Guerrero Jr. this year, beating Randy Rosarina in the final. Rosarina gave it a good run at the very end, just coming up two homers short. But we saw what Vlad did a few years ago, really the last few derbies he's been in, and I think we all made a pretty good prediction. Um, I think he would really fail us with that one, and obviously he's not strong. And I'd say obviously winning, but he was overall the strongest from around the round. He really didn't let up or anything like that. And it was an impressive show to watch. I mean, like our Brian Dodger was saying that if you can get Vladdy out of Toronto, he's going to go yard and match. And it was impressive to watch. We got to talk about Julio Rodriguez. 41 home runs in one round. He had an incredible showing just like last year, but the competition just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, he went up against Pete Alonso, which we all thought would, on paper at least, be probably the best first round. And what, uh, excuse me, Julio absolutely went off mission 41 and he went first. His pitcher, pretty much every pitch was right in his wheelhouse. 41 home runs. Pete had a very daunting task ahead of him and he only put up 21. His pitcher wasn't quite as good either, but Pete didn't really seem to have it. And just an incredible showing in front of the home fans, too. The home fans definitely fast. They were in it. Well, and then when he got his at-bat, two in the All-Star game, same thing. Yeah, yeah. They were definitely cheering him on, and he seemed to really build off of that. It was loud, just to say the least. And it was great for Seattle to get that. But, man, what a home run derby. I mean, we had a lot of surprises, one being your guy, Andrew, Anthony Rushman, putting out the uh, stops there. So, yeah. Yeah, and he... I thought he was going to win off the upset, but Luis Robert Jr. showing why he is in the derby and arguably one of the best home run hitters this season. Just edging a rush and put on an amazing show for really just a second year player with his dad pitching to him. And when he switched over to the right side, and he didn't miss a single pitch. That was really the craziest part about it. I don't remember the last time someone doing a home run derby from both sides. And it looked like he should have did the whole thing right-handed because as soon as that bonus time came and he was just launching them, he was having—he was doing better than he did in the entire first three minutes that he had when he was lefty. And 27, it was nothing to shy, shy about. But as soon as Luis Robert stepped in the box, this is what we were saying last week. I thought Adley had a great chance. He put on a great showing, just like I said. But you guys, his counter argument was that Luis Robert is a more pure home run hitter. And, and the ball flies off his bat. bat. That's exactly what happened. It was effortless. And he had 27 after the regular round. And so it was a no-doubter he was going to get in the bonus. It took a good amount of time. He was probably just a bit tired. But 
great, great showing for both of them. It was a great first round all around for everybody. Yeah, and a few, I guess, somewhat disappointing rounds. Obviously, Mookie Betts only had 11. It was definitely a tough round for him. Adolis Garcia, his pitcher definitely struggled a little bit, but who he was definitely a guy who a lot of people were high on coming into the derby, and he struggled a little bit there against the Rosarena, who much like that was arguably the most consistent hitter of the last round as well, which makes sense and why they matched up in the finals. I mean, did you even see first kids of PD pitcher? That guy was on curveballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you should pitcher in his right. That was filthy. <laughs> Julio's pitcher in that first round, it was just same, same spot every time, up and in. It, it was, it looked like it was like from a machine. It was like silver platter. He threw right it like kind of odd too. It yeah, was, I see. Yeah, kind of like almost like a three quarter, like under the ball type of release, but it worked. Kind of sideline, you know. Well, it's quite interesting to see. And now let's get into the next days of action in the All-Star Game. The NL won for the first time in over a decade. Elias Diaz, 2-1 homer at the end, All-Star Game MVP, well-deserved. And it got me thinking. You rarely will see a pitcher win MVP in the regular season. You'll see it either in the NLCS, ALCS, or the World Series. You'll never see a... Yeah, unless they pitch like an immaculate inning or something like that. But even then, you know, it, it's tough to say because they really only go, you know, two innings max. And usually it's kind of the guy who makes the most important play of the game or or overall who has kind of the best stats, usually hitting wise. And obviously Elias Diaz of the Rockies getting what ended up being the game winning. Two runs more run there in the top of the eighth inning with the AL two to one at the time to finally propel the AL over the top for the first time since 2012, which is wild to think about. Last time the National League won the uh, All Star game, the San Francisco Giants in the World Series that year. The first overall pick in the NBA draft was Anthony Davis. The number one song was Tommy Navy. And the defending Super Bowl champions were the New York Giants. So that is a long time ago. I was going into fifth grade. Yeah, and to add to boot, look at the lineups for last time, the NL1. The starting lineup for both sides for National League was Carlos Gonzalez, Melky Cabrera, Ryan Braun, Joey Votto. Carlos Beltran, Buster Posey, Pablo Sandoval, Dan Aguila, and Rafael Bacal, Matt King pitching. <laughs> wow. Against the AL lineup right then of Jeter, Cano, Josh Hamilton, Jose Bautista, Prince Fielder, Adrian Beltre, David Ortiz, Mike Napoli, Curtis Anderson, and Justin Fletcher. Those names lasted a lot longer than the NO names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the AL, like I could see that AL roster also being maybe like a 2016-17 roster. The, the NL roster that that's a 2012 roster. Yeah, and then ridiculous. Yeah, and then even some more fun facts while we're on this. Um, this most recent All Star game was the first All Star game with multiple caught stealings since 2008. 
we had the first time with two players with the same last name hit a home run in this all-star game being Yandy Diaz and Elias Diaz. And well, two more, actually we had uh, Justin Steele pitched on his birthday, second pitcher to appear in all-star game on their birthday. And Will Smith became the third catcher with a stolen base in all-star game. So there you go. It was like it was a very good paced All Star game. It was obviously fast paced. You have all the extra rules and all that, but even outside of that, it was very consistent. You didn't really have too many crazy things going on. You had a couple of good hits. Who drives Gurriel? Oh my, a hair missed. He had to do the whole home run trot just to have the the homer called off in front of thousands of people in the All Star game. That's kind of a, a brutal look, but. Yeah, he just missed that. It was really hard to tell. I don't think Fox, you know, with the kind of where the sun was angled and all that too, some of the camera angles weren't the best to completely tell that it did look like it might have just missed. The funny, I think the funniest thing of the All-Star game, how like unamused Derek Jeter was. Like I did not realize like how bad of a TV personality is. Like A-Rod and Poppy are great TV personalities. They're funny, they're engaged, they're cracking jokes. And Jeter just had he wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. He, they were all kind of sitting there in the first row, right? And yeah, obviously Poppy and A-Rod definitely have great personalities for TV, but Jeter was kind of he wasn't as he was dull. It was I mean Stone Cold. <laughs> they're trying to get in the crack with like and they share with the popcorn and cotton candy it's like no i mean did you see, did you see earlier in the year the poppy uh, gave him like the red, red, red sox jersey you know i have no part of that and threw it away immediately i think the funniest thing that ortiz ever did on tv was when he uh put vodka and frank thomas yeah <laughs> Do you guys think that was real? Like, do you, was that? Do you think that was stageable, or do you think that was like hundred percent real? Knowing Poppy, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, yeah, that. yeah, but also like there weren't not that it always, but it, there weren't too many runs scored too. A lot of quick uh, pace with the pitch clock, and you know, not too many guys on base necessarily. Um, at least early on, some of the catches by the AL guys too in the outfield, right up against the wall. The right fielders were battling the sun for most of the game, too. I mean, that first inning alone, we had two almost one run robberies. Yeah, Derek Cole was almost down 2 nothing after like two or three matters. And some impressive catches by Rosarena and Garcia, I believe, for the, the corner outfielders at that point. And now let's get into the second half. So before we get into Yankees and Mets, I want to get one player who you think is going to pop off in the second half and one team. Let's start with what team either they're towards the bottom of the playoffs rankings or they're out of the playoffs. They're going to pop off in the second half and either go from a mid-tier team to the top, a lower-tier team to maybe a barely playoff team. What team is going to have a an insane second half compared to the first? Do you want one from both leagues, or do you one want from one each league? Yeah, yeah. Okay. For the for the American League, I'm gonna go Minnesota Twins. I think they're a little bit better than advertised. I mean, they're playing, you know, barely 500 ball, but obviously the AL Central's an atrocity, as we've detailed in the past. But I think they'll get hot in the second half and end up winning that division there. National League, I. I'm between either the Cubs and the Mets. 
I think it's going to be interesting to think. Well, I, I certainly hope you're right about that. Uh, I have kind of two, I guess, in the American League. Um, I'd say the one I see more likely happening is the Blue Jays, which is obviously very difficult in the division. But I can see the Blue Jays at the very least giving the Rays a run for their money um, down the stretch. Another one I kind of just want to throw out there as a possibility we kind of saw last year on their magical run into the postseason, the Mariners. I don't know why I could maybe just see them kind of get hot at the right time, just everything clicking at once. And then the National League, obviously, I hope the Mets, but I don't think we'll look we'll at that lucky. Um, they kind of got hot towards the end of the first half, but I could see the Giants kind of really starting to turn it on in the second half. Obviously, they're not too far back in the NL West right now, only two and a half games back. But I think they're going to be my National League pick. I could easily see Detroit winning the Central. I don't think they will, but I could see it happening. I don't. Cleveland and Minnesota, they're all right. Detroit's all right. But I think Detroit will outperform both of them in the second half, whether they end up winning the division. I don't know. Obviously, none of, no one's going to get a wild card in that division. If you don't win, you're not getting anywhere near October. Uh, I could see. I've been talking about the Angels all year, so I don't want to keep saying the Angels are going to be great. They're going to, but I still got the Angels with a chance to win the division. On the NL side, I think Philly is going to have a great second half. I think they're going to sneak into a playoff spot, probably first or second wild card. And I think San Diego has a chance to sneak into a wild card too. I think San Diego will finally catch fire. I think they have an offense that is too good to fail to the extent that they've had. And so I could see. All four of those teams who are currently out of the playoffs end up joining it. The Padres were another team that I was thinking possibly, but I just decided to go with the Giants. But I do agree that the Padres could possibly be another team. They they look too good, at least on paper, to be as bad as they've been so yeah. far. And with San Diego, you're going to have to look at like the next two weeks here. Like, like Do they, do they like you said, said possibly, possibly get hot, or, or do they, they fall apart? Because if they, they fall apart, they have a lot of interesting guys that could possibly trade at the deadline. The Reds have been pretty good too, Tom. We completely agree. They absolutely have a good chance to make the playoffs. I don't think anybody predicted that at the start of this season. But the way it's looking now, they have a real good shot to win the NL Central. They've had a couple really good runs. They, I, I, L.A. De La Cruz, I think, is one of the best talents we've ever seen come out. In, in terms, terms of someone right off the bat, bat a, a, a cycle, cycle that fast, he's already has, has almost a thousand OPS, few home runs, runs, nearly a four, a three fifty something average. Another team that we've kind of talked about too in that division, and I don't think they're going to win it at this point. But we kind of talked about: Are they going to turn it around soon? And that's the last place, St. Louis Cardinals, eleven and a half out of the division. Like I said, I don't think they're going to get that. They're also eleven on the wild card now. Do they at least make a run to get close? Do you guys think? It's gonna be a long shot. I mean, they basically buried themselves now, like you were saying, eleven and a half out of the division. And if you look at wild card, also eleven games out. Unless they get hot, or you're looking at possibly like a fourteen game win streak, something like that, which is very hard to do, obviously. I don't see this possibility. I don't. The thing is with the Cardinals, I don't think they're going to fire sell either if they are. Well, their GM said they might. 
They that's really what it's going to come down to. He like wouldn't be surprised or something if he does get traded. Aaron Otto still has a couple years left, so I don't think he gets traded. But I, if if they're more than five out around the deadline, which they most likely will be, I think Goldschmidt's gone. Uh, I I don't know so much about Goldschmidt. I could definitely see them trading like Paul DeYoung or Tommy Edmond possibly try to get. I mean, I get those guys are young and good, but like. Cardinals can get a hold of that. There's a lot of teams that need the utility player that can play short one day and second the next, and then, oh, you need an outfielder. Gotcha. You yeah. know. Although they haven't necessarily performed that well this season as a team, they definitely have a lot of pieces that could be very good elsewhere. I think a very intriguing guy. Again, I'm pretty sure St. Louis would never trade him. He's a forever guy, but Adam Wainwright possibly. I'm not saying it's surefire. Obviously, Cardinals fans will kill me. If they hear that, but I again, that's a serviceable arm that's been through it, has won World Series before. I, I don't see why not. And in terms of the Rays, Tom, I, I, I hope you're right. Obviously, they're nothing like they were back in April. I think they have, if, I think if anyone, the, the Baltimore Orioles do have a shot to catch that division, they're only a couple games out. I, I think it's probably too hard for the Yankees at this point to probably take the division. It'd be nice because then you would you would get the first round by. But other than that, if I'm the Yankees, I'm not complaining if I get a wild card spot, even if it's the third spot, because then you play Cleveland, Minnesota, or possibly the Tigers. Odds not, but I think they have a good shot to possibly get there. What's the but good thing? We will see playoffs, how far the Rays can go. They still have a really, really good team, obviously, with a lot of pieces, but they're starting to feel the injury. Same thing with Texas, both. Tampa Bay and Texas, they had no injuries throughout most of the year, and that's why they were smooth sailing. Once you have one hole in the lineup, it's very hard to keep that same consistency going. But back to Paul Goldschmidt, he's a free agent you know, after 2024 and no options or anything. So if they don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year, I could definitely see them trading Goldschmidt because they'll get a lot more from him this year than they would next year. Yeah, for sure. And kind of going back to your point, Andrew, I, I know you probably – I want to get your thoughts on it, at least um, about Texas and kind of them feeling the injuries with the Mariners now passing the Angels. The Angels now sitting seven back from the division um, here at the All-Star break. Do you still see that possibly catching fire? Obviously, they dealt with injuries too over the last month or so. Well, Tony be all right. Trout should be back fairly soon. It doesn't look to be too bad. If they can both get healthy, play productively, they have a shot. But if if one of them isn't at their best, no way. Yeah, and I, I agree, and I do think they'll need, you know, a, a few other guys kind of besides those, those two or three guys to really kind of pull pull their way, maybe a little bit more, more than usual to kind of help the program over the top. And in terms of players, who do we think is going to go off? Obviously, Garth is a big fan of Randy Rosarina. And Yanni Diaz, who have both been incredible for Tampa Bay, and it's gonna if the two, if the two of them compete the way they were early on, obviously Rosarino will show off in the biggest moments on the brightest stages. So come playoff time, Rosarino I think will be incredible. Obviously, they have a great depth piece, and the Rays always have that one sneaky guy who does have a great postseason. So, do you think it's that guy is going to be from the Rays, or what other players do you think are just gonna? Maybe they were all right in the first half, but they're going to they're gonna go off. In the AL, I, I definitely agree. Rosarena and maybe Diaz were going to kind of be two of my guys. Um, 
I'm not sure about the central, to be honest. I don't know if it necessarily one player can propel a team over the top. I feel like that one's going to be a little bit more of a, a team effort with kind of that division struggle so far. But in the West, obviously, I look at the Angels and those guys come back. They can stay healthy I, and play the way they've been playing. Um, uh, kind of going on with the radio to some extent this season. The defending Cam Nashville, obviously, they've fallen back to earth slightly, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys can really turn it on. They've obviously been there before. They can really catch fire if you were in the second half. And, you know, they're only two games out of the division, and maybe even they could do playoff them again. The guy that scares me is Matt Chapman of Toronto. I think if he has a great second half, then Toronto does too. Uh, he, he's got an 807 OPS on the year, so he's been pretty good. Um, and obviously it all depends. If, if Arenado does great this month, maybe they, the Cardinals have a chance to save their season. If not, they won't. Um, there's a lot of players who I think will be all right, but impactfully, I don't know. Like I could see someone random, maybe like Ryan McMahon of Colorado, but it's not going to make a difference in the in the standings by any means. But I think impactful players that could make a difference is um, Matt Matt Chapman in particular. Obviously, I don't want to see that. I have nothing against him in particular. But what do you do with a Blue Jays hat on? Again, sporting for Vladdy win the home run derby, but I just noticed. That you know, for the X amount of time we've been on uh, air, but I kind of agree with you for the American League. I do have Matt Chapman. I think, like you were saying, if he can get hot, which as a Yankee fan, you don't want to see but... Austin Riley of Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta just keeps getting better. Atlanta, pretty much anyone on that team. Um, another team in that division where some guys on the Marlins, too. I think obviously we saw a little rise there in the all star game. He, continue to do what he's been doing all season. But there's some other guys, too, who can really pick up their game big time, which overall is a team they've been great. But if another guy can just really go on a hot streak, they, they can be a very dangerous team. I, I, like I said, the Padres, I think Machado is going to be a catalyst to that. I think he's, he's he had an under, underperforming season so far. I think he turns it around. I mean, I'm going to stay in San Diego, but not with Manny. I'm going to say Xander Bogart's going to get hot because if you look at it right now, 253 bang average, 10 home runs, 30 RBIs. Hasn't been the guy that he was in April when he was first, you know, mashing. Like, you know, it seemed like he was saying home run every night. But I think. If- so, two star shortstops on the Padres, and neither of them are Fernando Tatis. Pretty much. Machado's played it. He, he hasn't really played too much short in San Diego, but his last couple of years in Baltimore, he did. Oh, two left side infielders that are not Fernando. But yeah, I think if if Bogarts can get hot, I think that could possibly attribute to the the Padres being buyers at the deadline instead of sellers. And uh, not to completely change subjects, but going back to the teams again, one that we didn't really talk about too much, the, the Brewers have. Obviously, they're one game back in the central behind the Reds. I think it it could possibly turn into a two-team race down the stretch in the central. Obviously, the Cubs in third, seven games back. But if, if the Brewers go on a hot streak, too, that, that could spell danger for the Reds. I think the Brewers, the Brewers are probably a more developed and talented team, but I think the Reds kind of just want it more. 
I, I agree, at least from what we see in the kind of the first half. Obviously, we'll we'll see how it plays out in the second, but I, I kind of think that kind of label you just put on both teams fits for this season right now. I also feel like you can't exactly count out the Pirates just yet. I know they're eight and a half back, eight games under five hundred, but at the they were really fun to watch in April when they were winning like almost ten straight. Yeah. It was. I think it was a fluke, and then O'Neill Cruz got hurt. McCutcheon came back down to earth. McCutcheon was a fire storm when he first came back. Obviously, he was a fan favorite, so when he came back, it did light a spark, but it wasn't really meant to last. Well, I mean, Kutch just needs another furry convention to come to Pittsburgh and he'll get on fire again. I, I Oh, yeah, you sent that video again. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I, our, <laughs> our other host, uh, Ryan Botcher, pulled that up, and you know, I found the video like a week or two later, and but it reminds me of some of these Crazy. players, um, like Machado this past weekend. Michael Harris this season is having his early season struggles too. You just got to play the match. And uh, that <laughs> usually turns their season <laughs> around. Or obviously, there could be other, other reasons for injury. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Yeah. A lot of teams do want to this year, considering. I don't think that was something. I don't think going into the season, it's like, yes, we're playing the Mets this week. Now no. it is. <laughs> Mets have a tough task, by the way. They played the Dodgers, Dodgers to start this weekend. Yep, Dodgers. They finally came back and played good. Dodgers, White Sox, Red Sox, Yankees, the first four series out of the All-Star race. And if you look at who's hot and who's hot, uh, who's hot and who's not right now, the Orioles and Red Sox have both won five in a row. And the Dodgers have won four in a row. Meanwhile, who's not? The Angels have lost five in a row, and they're one and nine in their last ten each. The Oakland A's have lost four in a row, and the Minnesota Twins have lost three in a row. And now let's get into some Yankees and Mets talk. Yankees just hired a new hitting coach, Sean Casey, the guy who's known for being the only man to ever get thrown out from left field. And hitting guru, career batting average of 302. The guy that grounded out to left field. Grounded out to left field. But a guy who's more old school, not really big into the analytics. So maybe that type of approach helps the Yankees. But I mean, a change that he made, he lost it and just wasn't cutting it. Yep. And the more the guys who talking all the time about when. The situation, I should say, getting injured doesn't really obviously miss the All Star game. We have no idea when he'll be back. Obviously, they definitely miss him, but they've been able to stay afloat without him. Do a lot of guys stepping up as well, and they're gonna have a tough schedule coming out of the break too, or not necessarily to start. I should say they have the Rockies, who are. One of the worst teams, the Angels, who aren't terrible, but they have struggled as of late. And the Royals, who are one of the worst teams, but then Mets, Orioles, Rays, and Astros to kind of close out July 4th, August. So they must win these games that they showed, something that the Mets didn't do last season. We'll see if the Yankees can do that and keep themselves afloat. But then, obviously, that a tough stretch uh, towards the end of July into early August could really determine their season to some extent. 
I a little bit disagree with you and Sean Casey because he he had a, obviously had his um press conference this week and he was saying how he is starting to get into the analyst because you kind of have to. The Yankees wouldn't have hired a guy who doesn't understand the modern age. I I think some teams would. I think the Yankees are a team that's way too far ahead of the game to even think about doing that. Obviously, they wouldn't have got rid of Girardi for Boone if it wasn't for that reason. That is true. But I think with the Yankees schedule come out like you were detailing there, Brady. I think the really like the challenge stretch that I think is going to define whether or not we possibly get a playoff spot or, you know, end up being the team that we hope to be is the three games against Tampa and then the four games against Houston for that homestand. I think that I think you have to kind of circle that on your calendar as possibly right now the defining moment. Yeah, two very good teams in the AL, especially the last few seasons. And it doesn't get too much easier after that. You have the White Sox, but then you also have like uh, Marlins and Braves, not too long after, who are obviously two of the better, if not obviously, best teams in baseball. And the Yankees aren't going to have it easy in August, but if they can win these games coming out of the break and then take care of business or you know, at least get a series win or split. It's a four-game series against those two teams. They should be in pretty good shape. I want to share this video in case most people don't know what I'm referring to, but this is Sean Casey getting thrown out from left field. It wasn't straight and direct. Just take a watch. He kind of, he thought it was caught. They pushed this game back. Hasn't altered their game plan. Hard hit ball. Creedy gets up, but can't come down with it. Casey didn't know he didn't catch it. The throw by Ozuna got it. Oh, yes. What a play by Pablo Ozuna in left field. You won't see that happen here at the big leagues probably ever again. This is the best angle. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Even the way he runs after, he like was so shocked and didn't even know to where to go next from there. <laughs> that's all you can you can just laugh. That's, that's well, if you're the Yankees, you'd hope he definitely stress the um, running hard to first base aspect of it. Learn from my mistake. <laughs> as well as making sure that the ball drops. <laughs> yeah, the but obviously the Yankees overall, I'd say it's been a little bit of a disappointing season despite overall still being in a decent shape um but yeah it's not going to be an easy second ever if they kind of have a lot of pieces um go out there and perform well for them i think they could be in good shape so do they buy or sell mets we're talking about the mets um i know was it steve Cohen or epler just recently like they haven't quite decided yeah so right now they're not selling but the next few series can determine that. As of right now, at least what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to some work on buying. I is think. it safe to say that trading for Otani is off the table at this point? For the Mets, I'd say trading for him, yeah, for sure. Okay. Because it, it wouldn't make sense to pick him up for three months when you're not even going to make the playoffs. The only other argument is, oh, well, if he likes it here, you can re-sign him. But what if you don't? Yeah, <laughs> then you give up your whole farm system for nothing. 
I mean, and obviously there's no reason. I mean, he doesn't have a no trade clause, so he wouldn't have a choice, but I don't think the Angels would trade him to a non-competitor. The whole point of trading him is so he can do something. Obviously, it's whoever's going to give him the best package, but I that would be very that would be a really epic move though to trade yeah. after farm system for a yeah, rental unless we like you're out of unless we like basically like win out in July or something like that. I I, I don't see that. And that's really schedule you look at it. Obviously, post all third break, you have the three games against the Dodgers. Then you have a could you win the series against the White Sox? It's up in the air. Then you have three against Boston, two against the Yankees, which could go either way with how both teams are right now. And then you have a four games against Washington, which you should at least take three out of four. Keywords there could, should. I, <laughs> that's, yeah. I, yeah. But, um, and then Kansas City to follow. Yeah. Those, you know, two or three series that you mentioned that are, are winnable better be wins if if they obviously want to make the playoffs. Um, obviously, the division's basically dominates as far as the Mets go. But, um, yeah, it's somewhat of a favorable schedule. Obviously, you still got to play the games. They're not, like, the worst teams by any stretch. Uh, except the Royals are basically arguably the worst team. But... <laughs> Um, the Mets would still find a way to blow that, but <laughs> um, yeah, definitely some winnable series. Um, I can see the Royals having an advantage over the. Or is it a home or away series? It's in uh, they're Kansas. away in Kansas City. I don't. Uh, what Met is going to hit outside of Alonzo? Who's going to be able to hit home runs there? You think there's going to be a lot of offense? The Mets really are in a small ball team that's going to drill the gaps. Yeah, last the year, Royals, like that's one thing that they can do Royals are built for small ball but and the Mets pitching you know I mean the Mets pitching is built to give up you know just a couple home runs they're not meant to give up you know hit after hits I, I could see a sneaky you know Mets doing pretty well but if the Royals can get on a couple runs if they have two or three innings where they put a couple runs up and oh yeah they don't we're, score we're any gone. runs I, I could easily see the Royals at least splitting that two out of four which kind of goes to another point about the trade deadline. If we do end up kind of buying, we need relievers. Please get some, especially middle inning relievers. Um, not that I'm getting like jumping the gun here, but obviously Edwin Diaz's brother, Alexis Diaz, who was in the All-Star game, did say that he's already starting to throw from long distances and he could come back this season. When where the Mets are when he possibly comes back, I don't know. But overall, Robertson has done a pretty good job, kind of in that role, kind of a middle to set up relievers, especially middle relievers. I think is one of, if not the main focus, if the Mets decide to look to add to their team. And that will do it from us here today. Thank you for tuning in to the Santa Maria Baseball Podcast here on Review and Preview.